Marvelous. So I generally start off with something really, really simple. Could you please pronounce your names correctly for me? Stina Höqvist. Ingvild Ågårdsjösten. And you all both work at the National Museum in Oslo, which I'm saying it in the English version, but it has a its its translation, which is National Museet. Is that correct? Museet? National Museet in, in Swedish Norwegian, and now we can hear the Norwegian. National Museet. Okay, that's great. Just wanted on the record, you know, mm-hmm. my horrible butchered pronunciation and then your <laughs> true pronunciation. So what? Uh, let's go one at a time. So what's your roles here in the museum itself? Um, well, this is um, Stina again. My role is uh, head of uh, collection and exhibition. And I'm the project manager for the collection display. Lovely. And I'm also the section leader for the project leaders. Mm. And Stina, she is my leader. Yeah. The so she has, she has leader the good life. <laughs> for the project leaders. Yes. So you lead the leaders. Yeah. Okay. You and they're all those. led by me. Yes. I have to admit I'm a little bit confused. But I'm just gonna <laughs> I understand. <laughs> just going to let it go. Um, all right. Yeah. So you all have been working to build this museum and get it sort of operational, functional and ready to show for how long? Uh, I mean, the whole idea uh, of the National Museum, it started in idea of like to merge the different museums came in, I think it was 2003. Okay. Yeah. And you are, you know, math, so that's like 19 years, 19 years. Uh, from like the uh, seed to the loaf, or like you know, you can say. So that's like been uh, yeah, it's been yeasting and you know getting ready for nineteen years. But then we started the whole building process, like the physical. It's been seven years, eight years with the building, and seven years for like mounting and yeah. Well, the collection display and the project started in well two thousand and sixteen. Approximately. Yeah, six years. Yeah. yeah. We started the mounting May last year, 2021. Yeah. It took you a year to install? It took nine months to install the art. Okay. And then the all the lighting and the labels and uh, everything that's also needed for an exhibition came in successively is that the right word you know succession yes yeah yeah Yeah. well i mean not to mention like there's some really unique presentation methods uh you know some cases that had to be probably custom made and things like this as well so i mean lots of planning and just to give the listeners a little background too this is uh funded sponsored by the city is that correct or the country funded by the state funded by the state by the government okay and it's it the total cost has been in all the newspapers uh, every day i think is 6.3 billion crowns i have absolutely no idea what that means that's in, like um, uh divided by 10 you have like dollars or euros more or less so 300 million no no what'd you 600 say 600 million 600 million it's yeah. not that bad for a building no i think it's a bargain mm. Mm. Do you seriously, or was that sarcasm? No, it's not sarcasm. Okay. We had this uh, tour with the International Council uh, from the Metropolitan Museum in, in New York, and they were like, what? Only 600 million? That's a bargain. You know, when we built the Renaissance Wing, blah, 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 blah. 
uh, I mean, it must be so cheap because it's Norway. I was like, what? Oh, you got all the display case- cases included? Yeah, they were like, wow. So, yeah. It seems I mean, like different a good perspectives, price to make. huh? It seems like a fair price. I mean, if you think of any other building, you know, corporate building or anything like that, I mean, 600 million is about what I would expect it to cost. Yeah, and I think it's also built uh, to last for like centuries and centuries because it's not often that you build a new national museum. I think it's only us at the moment. Now we're finished and then it's, the next one is in Egypt, supposed to open oh, in, yeah. in uh, November, see if that happens. Otherwise, and, and we have chosen, or like the architect has chosen materials that will age with grace, just like women. Uh, so it's like you know, we just late. <laughs> um, they have you know Portuguese marble, uh, oak. So it's nothing that has to be like refurbished in thirty years. And so I think it's when you think about the perspective of time, I think it's really like sustainable because you d- you do it once and then you do it right. Totally my way of thinking that when I do, you know, like my wife and I bicker about this, I like to buy something a higher quality, buy it once. And she likes to buy something cheap and buy it a dozen times mm. when it breaks, which drives me nuts. Yeah. But that's my issue, I guess. So the, when, when it comes to this museum, so your roles, so curator of the collections. I'm the director of the collections. So I don't curate anymore. I used to be a curator. Now it's more uh, like thinking of the overall like narrative, strategy, vision. Exhibition program? Exhibition program, like, you know, but it's not like I'm sitting by myself and instructing people, I want this, please execute. Under me, we have 23 curators, all like specialized in different like disciplines, periods. So I mean like, so my job is more to see that there's a balance, that we, we have a balance of like, uh, Norwegian and in, in international that we have exhibitions of architecture and design and you know so you have this big balance well I mean how easy is that to balance because I mean you from what I understand the the state has a very vast collection uh, and so like you had to decide what would be on permanent display what would be on temporary display and then it sounds like you also then schedule contemporary exhibitions as well in, the, in you know, currently and in the future. Mm-hmm. So like, that's a lot of sort of like trying to answer to many different uh, people. Yeah. I mean, we have some criteria for programming and then we have, uh, now we don't have, I mean, we have a permanent space for the collection display, but it's not a permanent display. So this also, I mean, we do loans and we can change and rehang and we get like new acquisitions. So the idea is make this collection display more dynamic and then try to program. So there's always something, you know, something hot, something cold in, in this sense, or like different temperatures. It's been a bit tricky because of the pandemic. There were so many changes and so many cancellations and, or some of the projects came, came in this sort of squeeze. But now we're out of that. So we have program, I think, up to at least 2025, 2026. But then we also try to have some, what we call like this baggy space that you also need space to. I mean, we have to learn the building. We haven't refurbished this building. It's newly built. We're learning it. As we speak. As we speak, yeah. We're learning new things every day about this building. Yeah, how you walk, how you can build. 
what works, what could work better. So it's, uh, yeah, it's like English is, yeah, we're learning every day. So, But the program is getting together really, really good. It's a really good program. Yeah. It is. We use the collaboration, yeah. Thank you for prompting her yeah. to talk more. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to talk very much. Let's prompt her to yeah. talk more. Well, I mean, well, that's the question. Okay, so it's, it is a national museum. Yeah. And so it's like... It how, is the national museum. Correct. I, I apologize for, <laughs> no, down, have for downgrading you. Yeah, yes, yeah. it is the national museum. So like, how do you even come up with like, how, well, like programs for that? You know, like it, that seems... It, uh, in one way, it's very... It sounds wrong, but it's a little narrow because it's a national museum. But on the other hand, it's also got international components. So like you literally could do anything. So how do you take that sort of unlimited potential and decide what the right things are at any given right time? Uh, we try to do our best, but then it's, of course, it's a lot of dialogue with uh, curators, educators, you know, well, listen, we have uh, like many discussions and uh, ideas and we uh, sometimes, we have yeah, we have a strategy and, you know, and, and then how can we reflect what's going on in society? How, how can we plan for this in maybe three or four years? How can we be critical? How can we work with the collection? Then we, of course, have research projects. So it's there are so many ideas. Also, like how to collaborate. The difficult thing is to kill your darlings and to prioritize and this. So it's, um, yeah, that's a difficult part. But it's uh, we have uh, like overload of ideas. Absolutely. And we have a big collection. Well, and it's also a big ship. So like, I mean, you have to plan exhibitions. Like how long does it like, so let's say starting today. So now you're open, your current exhibition is up. How if if a if a new project was proposed now, how long would it take before it was manifested? In twenty four, twenty five, maybe. We Probably we try now. to have a couple of years to sort of plan. Yeah, ideally, minimum two years. Right. I, I would say even for like a smaller exhibition, we have different spaces, but still, it's it's like exhibitions take time, and there are so many um, people involved. But if you if you want to do something, you know with many difficult loans, um, like big artists, uh, big names, then I think it takes uh, like five years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ideally. I- ideally, it would take five years, like as in that's a short amount yeah. of time. But we need, we need time to plan. And like Stina said, we are quite a big organization. There's so many roles and yeah. um, different parts taking place. And that's sort of necessary to make good exhibitions. Mm-hmm. And we are also working a lot with external um, collaborations. So all of these things has to sort of play together. Yeah. And then we need... And if you're going to get external loans, you have to be so lucky that they all are free at the same time. Sure. So that's like this big puzzle. And then usually like five years is quite, I mean, it sounds like a long time. But then also if you're going to do like a research project, that also takes super long time. But then you can mix this up with other um, contemporary stuff or you also have a collection. And then, of course, you can plan it uh, faster or do like rehangs. But it's it's still, you know, so many considerations. Yeah, it's super hard. 
I'm aware of that. I mean, it, it, you know, like I come from the grassroots sort of like background of like, you know, small nonprofit and we can turn on a dime like, you know, like, oh, new project. Yeah, let's just do that next week. You know, but like you all have to put in so much time, planning, thought, then like proposing budgets. I don't even know if you all do like sponsorship, partnerships, whatever. Like, I mean, it takes so much to put on an mm -hmm. exhibition that the general public never sees. Mm, no, it's true. And especially now with the collection exhibition or the collection display, it mm -hmm. likes, that's 10,000 square meters and it's 86 rooms. So that's obviously, that takes time. Mm -hmm. It's more like 6,500 pieces of art shown in that hanging. Mm. And we have a collection for more, more than 400,000. Yeah. So you can imagine... Oh, I can. Yeah. Yeah. Grew up with the Smithsonian. They left like 95% of their collection in storage that people yeah. will never see. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how much of the collection will ever be on exhibition at any given time or like sort of even rotating or is it rotating? It is rotating. And I mean, this Norwegian author said, if anything can happen, everything will happen. It's like, you know, like if you have like this eternity as a scope or as a time timeline, then everything will be shown sometime, you know? Uh, and I think uh, also when it comes to what's uh, like in this uh, first presentation, we're showing so much more that's never been shown. And I think also there's like this whole responsibility to question like the norm, to question the, you know, the traditional view of art history and also to see what we've been overlooking and like show different sides of the, the collection. So I think, yeah, and it's not only our responsibility. I think this comes with most museums today. I mean, it's not like you have this set canon that can't be changed. And what about the logistics of sort of putting this all together? Because, I mean, it's uh, to a certain extent rather monumental task. Absolutely. Because, well, I mean, because you're not just opening a building. Like if you were opening, again, like a, an office complex or whatever, all you have to do is just like make floors, walls, and ceilings. Mm. You have to do not just floor, walls, and ceilings, but you had to choose art, move art delicately. You know, you have to. And also like one of the big things that a lot of people don't think about, which I think about, is always like uh, temperature. Uh, and humidity and all these kinds of things. And like mm. every single piece can be lit with a, only a certain amount of lumens yeah. or else it could be damaged and like all this kind of stuff. Like how hard is that to sort of like always continually be thinking and balancing? Well, it, it's hard, like you said, but it's re also really fun. And we have all these really, really good people and competence has been working with this for years now. And the... Uh, it's like orchestrating a symphony. People are playing together, doing their part, coming in with their expertise. So it's been hard, but it's been really, really grateful job, actually, to work with all these really good people. This is something that you do just once in your lifetime. Mm. Yeah, we will not, never, not we will a never lot do of this again. Oslo National Museums will be opened in your lifetime, no, you are correct. No. So it's. Um, it's been a privilege, actually, but it's been we we have been planning for a building. It's it's been on the paper. It's been the building came up uh, along with our planning, so it's 
and we're used to making exhibitions. That's what we do all the time. But it's like, but then we know the spaces and we know the hanging system and we know all the rooms very well. We have them sort of in a body, but this building is totally new. And uh, so it was really exciting when we, we, we had all these plans on paper. It had been really well discussed over and over again. But to then start the, mount, the actual mounting, the moving in the art into the building, into the magazines, and then into the rooms. Well, just as a question too, though, so like you have the collection. Is the collection housed here also? More and more. More and more. So, so the intention is to have the complete collection housed here at some point. Maybe not the complete, but like a majority, yeah. Okay, mm. great. But then I think also when also when we like English says about the building and like the complexity of like setting everything up. Uh, I mean, first we had to wait for the building to be finished, and then we had to have the sign off with Stadsbyg, like the state uh, developer, uh, because we cannot start mounting or move in any art before we know that it's like a steady climate, like it's a good climate. So we had to have this test run there cannot be any dust no one can be like working and this took you know time and then after that like Ingvild was like this queen of logistics like planning like first this and this and this and and then we have uh when it comes to display cases what, what do we have like 280 mm. and they're all like uh, climate control lighting and then you have the objects and you have this small, I don't know what it's called, like this. Object this mounts. Ob yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> all custom made, yes, I'm sure. all custom made, no. Yeah. yeah. So it's like you said earlier, it's not like moving people into a building, uh, uh, a new office building. This mm -hmm. is like the, the complexity of bringing the art in and everything that needs to be in place before we even can think of starting to yeah, to bring these things in. This is our national treasures. It's like, yeah. Yeah. And this, yeah, because it's like uh, also this national, it's national heritage. Uh, I've been sitting in many meetings, uh, like planning the transport, because there are also like, you know, rules and regulations of how many works of a certain value can be on each like uh, truck. And then it's like, oh, should we have a car following it? Should it be secret? Like different types of nighttime, daytime? <laughs> no, but it's really, really? like secret because yeah. like it's the most uh, vulnerable uh, situation for an artwork. Sure. It's like transport. The transport. Absolutely. Yeah. And being yeah. robbed or, you know, I was in one meeting. They said, oh, yeah, but what if someone kidnaps Tina? I'm like, what? <laughs> that didn't happen. But now you have to discuss like all these different scenarios. Because really, our, our transport is like, that's, I guess that's why it's so insanely expensive. But this is really like, also when it comes to like uh, movements for the work, uh, it's it's not good for the works, but it's also like, you know, if you're going to have a robbery or something, you know, it's, yeah, that's, that's the, yeah. Okay, well, everything is done and moved safely at this point, so we can talk about that now, basically. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, can't say any details, and I, I don't know any, like, details. Yeah, I was just, because it's like, everything is high security. Uh, but and now secret. all the works, huh? And secret, it's just secret. Yeah. yeah. Encrypted emails, yeah. and encrypted this, and I was like, wow, so James Bond, yeah. Seriously encrypted emails? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I don't think I've ever received an encrypted email. Mm. I have. 
<laughs> I'm not sure to be scared or impressed. I'm not sure how to go with that, but all right. No, but it's like this. That that's the kind of level of uh, secure that we have to work on, and because we have, yeah, we have the responsibility of uh, responsibility of taking care of national heritage. Well, as a, a sort of silly question, I mean, was anything slightly damaged in transport or anything like that? I only know like a small crack in the mirror. That's it. And yeah, yeah maybe it's this one small porcelain thing, I think. But that was fixed. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, I think. Yeah. And we moved 100,000 objects, so I think that's pretty good. Yeah, out of 100,000, that's a very low percentage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's very good. Yeah. And in addition to this, we had Corona. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, speaking of like that kind of like protection kind of thing, I always have a question because I've been going back and forth with lots of different people about this. Latex gloves or cotton gloves? Depends on the material. Yeah. Sometimes latex is better because it's for some material, but usually also when you have cotton, you have get like a big, better grip. Uh, so it depends. Yeah. So what you're do you not going to give me a definitive answer, huh? No, I think it's more also like the look. If you want to look like Mickey Mouse or if you want to look like, you know, some other like character. Yeah, you look like Mickey Mouse with uh, <laughs> cotton gloves. Well, yeah. I, I've been told like cotton gloves are basically just cotton. So it's just basically like putting your hand behind your T-shirt. And so like the oils and dirt and stuff from yeah. your hand can still go mm. through the cotton, whereas latex theoretically is impermeable. Yeah, I guess, but then, yeah, and I think I've seen, I mean, I, I'm not an art handler or a conservator, but sometimes they use different gloves, you know, and they also mm. have like this fantastic trolley. Absolutely. With all the mm. materials and it looks like, you know, a surgery is like a surgeon is going to come and do something. Yeah. It's really, yeah. So they know. It yeah. depends on what they are, what they are moving and handling. Yeah. Like Stina said. Yeah. I want to know what's on this trolley. What, what, oh. I'm. I'm sure it's not like duct tape and a screwdriver. It's probably something. Sure, it's that too. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Okay, great. Absolutely. That's quite important. I love that. Well, I, I use gaffer tape more than duct tape, but still, yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah. Double-sided tape. Double-sided tape, yeah. Yeah. Double-sided tape, uh, cotton swabs, uh, different materials. Yeah. They also have all sorts of stuff, and it's really like... Because they have all this, yeah. the distances are so... This building is huge. Yeah. You know, you yeah. have been inside, I so have. you know what you're talking about. What we are talking about is you have to bring your own trolley with everything you need. Because it would suck to, to have to go all the way back yeah, to yeah, get yeah. it something that you forgot. Yeah. 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 And then when it comes to like the logistics of installing, so like when you're installing works, do you, are you doing like security measures as well because like i know a lot of museums like you know in, involve some sort of security thing so like it's we can't tell you i don't no, i'm not going to ask you what the security is i promise it's encrypted. but it's an encrypted <laughs> email is what it is but what but read this oh sorry cat damn it <laughs> but, but my point being is that like it's not as easy for you to just Put a piece of art on the wall. I mean, nothing is just putting a piece of art <laughs> oh my on God. the wall. Have you heard about like all the, like when I took the screen from the Munk, like the works from the Munch Museum? I mean, it was hang. They were hanging on like also our screen was. Uh, I mean, it was hanging on the nail on the wall. I mean, we don't do that anymore. Okay. Yeah. So well, I mean, well, that to a certain extent, that's sort of my question is like, what's the like uh, a proper hanging technique these days? 
I, I know lots of different hanging tables. I used to work as a framer also. I've mm. had lots of jobs in my life. But so like what's, you know, obviously it's not a nail on the wall. It's probably not even a screw on the wall. So like there's some new techniques. Is it like D-rings? Is it those little ones that you like wrench to like lock it into place? Like what kind of things do you use? Depends on the work. Of course it depends on the work. But I mean, I'm talking just like flat two-dimensional work that, that's on the wall with a frame. I think it would be like security. You have like the security screws, like yeah. two part and you have the... I don't know all the different systems, but it's like, you know, two-part system. Well, because, I mean, one of the longevity things, of course, is also that things stay level. <laughs> you know, so, like, things mm. really have to be securely put on. So, I'm not talking about, like, securely, like, theft, but, like, securely, like, doesn't fall off the wall. <laughs> but we have really good technicians. Yeah. Mm. Really good. We have the best. Okay. You're modest. Yeah. Yeah, she is. But we have the best. Okay. I'm not kidding. I, I hear you. And then you also have the glass. A lot of works are glassed. <gasps> um, Big question. What is museum glass and why is it called museum glass and why is it so damn expensive? It's called Optimum. Is it? That's yeah. the brand. And Yeah. <laughs> and it's Optimum. When you see it, you, you can really like, or maybe I shouldn't say when you see it because you're not supposed not to see it. That's right. Yeah. That's what glass is supposed to Because it's like, you know, do. almost you want to feel it. Mm. Because it's, oh, it's a glass and sometimes, so it's like this non-reflective glass that secures the work from, yeah, sneaky fingers or thieves cutting out uh, the canvas or, yep, dust. Isn't it also supposed to protect from UV light as well? That's, that's another kind. Some some of the Optimum have, have this, but this are very expensive. And in, in the new museum, we don't have, I means it's, it's a purpose-built museum so we don't have so many windows so we have control lighting right so Otherwise, you don't need yeah. to concern yourself with uv light no but it, it's like like also when we loan works we can ask for this because that's like you know sometimes like a service or like uh, yeah all right i'm also fascinated i i i fetishize over the stupidest little things things like wall color wall textures things like this like because i mean i've been to some beautiful exhibitions that have you know, mid gray, let's say, as their wall tone versus museum white. gray. There you go. See, there's an actual thing called museum <laughs> gray. So it's not only about hair colors. No. Well, I'm I'm a photographer, so I call it middle gray. Oh, middle so, gray. Yeah. You know, but yeah, museum gray. So, but I mean, like, were there extensive conversations of like even what color to paint the walls? Absolutely. And also even what surface, because like matte, semi-matte, eggshell, et cetera, et cetera. And what did you land on and, and why? Well, there was a lot of discussions about the, the colors in the rooms. And when you go through the rooms, depending on the art and the sign and what's exhibited. Oh, yeah. Hey. Uh, it, it draws on the, the history and uh, the art and um, what story you want to tell. So there's been a lot of discussions about what colors to use. Yeah, but mostly I like the rooms. The exhibition the collection display is, is presented in two floors. Yeah. And on the first floor, it's the uh, first floor. It's more like this, uh, the oldest part of the collection and uh, arts and craft and design. And it's mostly in these rooms that we have. Oh, no, more. Also like in the older, the works for older art that we have colors. Yeah. It's more, uh, yeah. On the second to, floor. Yeah. Mm. On the contemporary part, it's been for this hang, like back to the white cube. White cube. 
yeah yeah but there there's been a lot of discussion about the yeah. three colors yes and if it's going to be matte or shiny yeah. and yeah we have different like tests and yeah. yeah and this is also of course to sort of make the net audience experience the most complete as well mm. to make changes and pauses and you know yeah so that they feel that things are not the same in every and they get tired and want to sleep yeah. sure the rhythm of a yeah. museum is very important, very important. I mean, yeah like you all actually have a cafe lounge in the mm. middle of the museum yeah. which i find like traditionally very uncommon because generally they try and keep food away from the exhibition but you kind of put it in the middle of the place so I've, i was pleasantly surprised by that because i was basically halfway through the museum and i was like that's perfect i need some food halfway through that's yeah. excellent um so like is that a concern though having that there well, of course, but we have very good security, so it's not allowed to have any food or beverages with you in, inside the the rooms, of course. So, but I think it's really good because it's thirty one rooms downstairs. Mm. So when you have gone through, and people go through all the rooms, it's really fascinating. They start <laughs> in room one and go through all the chronology, and then they come up and they're really tired and need something to drink and eat, mm. and they. Take a pause, drink coffee, and then they either go up into the light hall or... Yeah, and then we have the big wall painting there, the yeah, Solovit. Solovit. Yeah. And then there's one of the few windows, like a big, really nice view, so you can look out and you can see the sea and the top of the Munch Museum, and you can see, yeah, it's a really nice view, yeah. Okay, you're talking about the flow of a museum. I have this huge question because I have this debate almost every time I go into a museum with anybody, except for my family, because my family taught me how to do it. So I do it like that. Do the most people who enter the museum do it from the ground up or from the top down? Well, we opened on Saturday. <laughs> so yeah. that's like... Well, no, Four but, days? well, no, but I mean, I'm saying the th the theory. So, like, yeah. when when you designed it, did you design it with the intention of people to be to do it top down or bottom? It starts up? with room one. Did you on the first row? One, two, three. And people do based on the four days of experience. We see that people go into room one and they start going through, mm. and then they move. But we have, I think, more and more people always start on top and then. Yeah. Because you can't go through all the rooms, then you will be really, really. We want people to come back many times. Yeah, and I think so, also, yeah, and I think now when we open, we also have we have two more spaces that we haven't opened, uh, like two rooms for temporary exhibitions on the first floor, and this is also see uh, we're gonna open them, like in September, I think mm -hmm. it is. Um, because we needed a space now for other stuff. And then we also see how people walk and, you know, but I think it's like Ingrid says, I think the first time, since it is new for everyone, yeah, you start with room one and you, you walk through and then you have your coffee and you go and, and the last you do the light hall. But I think in the future when you go back, maybe you're going to see a show in the light hall, you go straight up and, you know, I don't, I don't think any, everyone is going to take the grand tour every time. So just to be clear, you're calling the third floor space the light hall. Yeah. Okay. Just referencing that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, no, but I mean, okay, but the top down versus bottom up theory, which the way my parents explained it to me was basically you start at the top of a museum and you work your way down because it's, it's as you're touring, it's sort of easier to go downstairs basically than it is to climb upstairs between, between exhibitions. It's just sort of more relaxing and calming. And of course you're also sort of, uh, leading yourself to the exit as you're leaving the museum. So at Guggenheim, did you take the lift up or did you walk yeah. and not look? Yeah. You took the lift up and walk down? Yes. Oh, wow. I think it's more uh, people need to find their own way to do this. So that it's most that what they need for their visit. It's like they have to. I'm just asking if there was like an intention or a purpose or a design behind it, like th- a thought saying like, we want people to participate in it in this manner. It sounds like no. <laughs> no, we have we have a lot. We did a lot of work with like uh, the flow of the of the public, how mm-hmm. they walk, and we had to do this test. I didn't work on it. I was told, you know, that yes, to test how long it takes to walk. Like when when kindergarten uh, pupils come, and we're going to go to the workshop. Oh, we're planning to for them to hang off their coats here, but you know, with the short legs, it takes twenty times to go to the workshop. Oops. Hours over, so you just have to walk back, you know, so then we have to change it. Well, but they also go at twice the pace of some other people yeah, as they well. Do. Yeah, so like, in short legs, uh, slow pace, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, so that we have to adjust. We did all these tests. Yeah, you know? yeah absolutely. It's and, how, and you have on this audio guide or this uh, app, you can also see, okay, how much time do you have? If you have only 20 minutes, you have 40 minutes, you have like five hours. These are like tips on how to walk or what you want to see because it's like, it's... Yeah, it's it's massive. It's massive. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you also have to take into consideration the the volume of people in the museum at any given moment, because mm-hmm. of course, just like you know, like the caves and stuff that have paintings in them, stuff they can only allow so many people in because the amount of moisture and heat coming off the people can actually damage it, much like in a museum. And also, of course, there's lots of rain and cold and stuff, so like people coming in wet and things like this can really throw off the relative humidity, the temperature, you know, because like if you have a room that you're trying to keep at a particular temperature, but all of a sudden there's a hundred people in that room, that's going to throw everything off. We have, uh, and now it's easier because everything is digital and we know from at all time how many people are in the building. Mm. This is also about like fire. Are you, you like, tracking us? <laughs> of course. Okay. This is a visa tracker. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, but it's also like to know if there's a fire or something happens, like evacuation. Yeah, we need to know how many people are in the building at all times. That's really important. Sure. Also from the the fire extent, as a, if something happens, and we need to get people out of the building is really. No, but we also have like, if, and if there's raining. Of course, people cannot go in with their wet clothes because then you can, like, you know, so if you have a <laughs> baby, like, what do you say, like a stroller, and it's mm-hmm. been snowing, and, you know, and it is so slow, so it's not only sunshine. You cannot take in, like, the wet stroller and stuff, like, but then you can borrow, like, a dry one. Yeah, we actually got stopped when we came on Saturday when oh, it was yeah? raining, and uh, the the gentleman that I was with, uh, he... His, they told him he had to take his jacket off because, because his wet. shoulders were wet. Yeah. And he had to put it in a locker and all that. And I, that's what sort of made me think about that. I'm like, we had an experience with that particular situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, hope the, I hope it was an okay experience. It was a funny experience, yeah. but that's that's more about that particular 
guard than uh, than than the whole system for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you off the record. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the as I said, so as we talked about, like the first two floors are primarily like we'll call permanent collection kind of stuff, not changing too frequently. But the top floor and the rooftop are the sort of uh, contemporary spaces or sort of uh, your more temporary exhibitions yeah. Yeah. kinds of things. So like, what are some of the ideas like for me when I came here and I walked around, like, first of all, this, the sheer volume of space on that top floor, the, what did you call it? Light? Light hall. Light hall. I could so see you all doing like crazy monumental things in there. Yeah. But then when I walked out on the roof and didn't really notice it at first, but then there's that sunken space mm -hmm. that then also has the potential for like, again, monumental things. Like, what are you going to do with that? Because <laughs> like, those are some great opportunities. Yeah. I think the light is a difficult playground. Uh, but it's, okay, wait. I think it's a fantastic possibility. Yeah. I had a discussion with somebody about it. It is a, a difficult one because it's backlit. Yeah, not only that, but also because of the, this like typical when architects build like art pavilions, it's usually like this glass pavilion and made for like, you know, it's like their main idea is to show sculpture, but you can't, you, you cannot, you know, put anything on the windows. Or on the walls. There's no walls. There's no walls. Anything. And yes, then I it's like, that. yeah, but and the ceiling height is seven and a half meters. Yeah, so you can't easily light that either. No, but we have 1200 uh, spotlights or something, and they can all be adjusted. 1200? Yeah, and they can all be adjusted. Like, I think they, because now here comes the bragging. Uh, <laughs> they've been like, you know, they've been customized and, and like, you know, with Erko, we are actually developed like a new lighting system together with them. So you have uh, you have spotlights that can go down to 40 lux, which is like if you're going to show works on paper or photographs, that's like the the standard. Four lux. 40. Four zero. Okay. Four zero. Yeah. Otherwise, if you had four, I think security would come because it would be like, yeah, pitch black. I know. That's why I'm like, that's yeah. really low. Yeah. But then you have, uh, then you have um, curtains. Yeah, we have curtains, and then you can also have. Uh, so you can mix the ideas that you can mix the light that you can show uh, sensitive works next to, yeah, video, yeah, video work or you know not sensitive work, light, and then when I'm t saying sensitive, it's light sensitive because light and gravity are the enemies of art. But the whole space gives us a sort of a, a, a new dimension to making exhibitions, sort of. Yeah. So we are, yeah, we're discussing this. Yeah. From a logistical standpoint, I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh my God, these spaces are magnificent. How do you get things in and out of this? Do you have massive elevators that yeah. are like the height of the ceiling so that literally you can bring something in as big as the we ceiling? We have a helicopter. Uh, well, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, we have a, um, what is that? A helicopter opening. Uh, well, Wait, I'm sorry. Are yeah. you? Are you are you joking? No, I'm not. Oh, you actually you have... You can open the, the <laughs> part of the roof. Really? So, like, you could crane or, yeah, I yeah. guess, helicopter in... Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think we'd be, like, so daring to have, like, yeah, a I helicopter, that, but, like, a crane. That seemed a bit over yeah, the yeah. top, yeah. Yeah, because you, have a, you can have a crane and you can, like, you know, uh, get in big sculptures yeah. or you this. And we have big elevators, but, you know, you can never build them. 
big enough. Big enough. Well, also, I mean, even elevators have weight limits too. Yeah, so that, like, that's even true. Even if yeah. it's physically like large enough, yeah. it may not be able to withstand the weight of whatever the thing yeah. is. Yeah, but I think also when it comes to exhibition space, it's been, from my perspective, I think it's been really exciting, and like to rethink traditional exhibition architecture, to rethink like uh, the proportions, how you show work. Um, because in some way with this space, uh, you have to try new things, maybe new material, also think about uh, sustainability. Now we're going to have uh, like a set of walls that we can reuse and, you know, have the structure. But I always have had this fantasy of having like Eiffel Tower, like, you know, to build like the structure, like this metal structure that you can walk or like the Fun Palace that Cedric Price did in London, like in 68, 67. Where yes, you know, you can have this structure, like this building structure, you know, we refurbish like the outside of a building, you have the structure like in metal, like you can just like assemble, like an assembly kit. Uh, taking security in, <laughs> having security in mind, <laughs> but it would like be so nice to actually also try to work in the height sometime to look at works from different perspectives, not only like in eyesight or like, uh, usually I have like works, um, hung in like mid-level 150. It's so special. You can't be ignorant to that space sort of. You have to, it, it will ha have a, an effect on all the projects. Yeah. Even if you want. Yeah. To, either way, you have to sort of make it happen and to take it into the project. And it's, it's, it's not like it's making a... It's a pretty colossal space absolutely. for inside a museum. Yeah. And you can't make an exhibition there like in another ordinary temporary room like we have no, yeah like we have these two rooms on the first floor like yeah. Tina said that it's not open at this point but but will be in September yeah like quite ordinary temporary rooms but that's mm. a totally different thing than making an exhibition on the yeah and also when it comes to like this uh pr proportions because in in the rooms that you're talking about doing well I think the uh, ceiling height is 430 and then you have like this a standard, like if you could build a standard wall from plaster, I think it's like 240 or 205, I think maybe 240 or something. But if you're going to put that wall like in the space that's 740, I don't know if it's going to look so nice. I mean, it's, so, so how to get around this? We have to learn, you know. Well, I mean, like in those spaces, because I mean, you said the, the ceiling height is what, seven meters or 17 meters? Seven and a half. Seven and a half meters. For those Americans, that's what twenty-two feet tall. Okay, yeah, I don't know. It's about it's about three three meters to no three three feet to a meter. So about seven. I said twenty, a little over twenty feet tall. Mm. The the scale of it is massive. I mean, and if you were to hang work at your standard room height, you know, your what you say one fifty middle. Mm -hmm. Like if you were to do that in that place, they, it would feel minuscule. Mm. Like it would not feel appropriate. I mean, yeah. there's so much thought that like you have to think about the scale of the space and the room yeah. and therefore then the relationship with the scale and the space in the space. But of the also mediums. think with the material, because I think also like I think you also have to think or like try out different materials because, of course, like the sight line. And I mean, the whole exhibition space is like the floor space. It's 2,400 square meters, and it's divided, if you want, into three different spaces, like 800 each. 
And then, of course, the, the sight line is always super important in any exhibition, but especially like in this big ones. And then you can, maybe you can also work with different materials, like more translucent materials or like, you know, not like this uh, m massive plaster or like MDF walls or OSB walls or whatever they're called, you know, to play a bit with this, I think could be interesting sometimes, not all the times. No, yeah. and I, I think that for an exhibition designer, this really has to be yeah. a, a dream come true. You make textile walls, you can use, like, you don't have to, and, and it depends on what you show. And then it's, of course, uh, everywhere comes with different demands, you know, security. Yeah. Depends, yeah. Well, but there's also a, a, like the budgetary issue as well. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, while you now have this rather colossal space to do these sort of exhibitions, but like, is there already sort of built into the plan? Like if you have a, a reason, let's say a, a normal size space, it's going to cost a normal amount of money to put an exhibition in it. When you have such an oversized space, it's going to be an oversized budget to the, then install stuff in that. So like, has that already been planned for as well? Learning. <laughs> And the, I think except for the helicopter rental, yeah. that hasn't been factored in, right? For the open, exhibi <laughs> no. opening exhibition, we're using all the three holes at the same yeah. time. But for the upcoming program, we're mm. using uh, one or two and one. More like we're not having exhibitions in all the three at this point, sort of, yeah. Because mm. we always want to have some part of the light hall uh, open. Mm -hmm. Either way, either, I mean, it can be empty so you can see the architecture, but also that there's like, because now we have, I think it's probably the only time that we're going to have the entire light hall because when we take it down, I mean, it's going to be closed because you cannot be there as a visitor. Um, yeah, if you're like demounting. And when it comes to costs, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I hope it's going to happen because I know that um, I mean, like head of collection management is in dialogue with other institutions, not only art, art institutions, but also like theaters, about like creating this kind of pool for material for like, you know, maybe you made this scenography or you have exhibition walls, so you actually can go there and get material or send it there. Because like, it's a lot of material. You cannot Three store years. everything. So like to get it in some kind of uh, circuit. Yeah would be yeah right so like reusing yeah. different art art yeah. institutional equipment yeah basically, like yeah, they have like, like in in different i know like in the theater world like yeah you have like do you have this uh to build the flats so they have the extra wood yeah you can have the curtains or the textiles mm -hmm. you know because they use a lot of textiles in this uh yeah in the theater the in and, environmental yeah. sort of thing about making exhibitions you have to sort of use things over and over again yeah we can't ignore that fact that we have a problem with the environment so yeah we also have to there's a problem with the environment yeah tiny maybe you haven't so heard about it to... I, I i work in the arts yeah yeah i saw a piece about it yeah yeah i, I read an article once <laughs> <laughs> but so, what, one question I, I really have about this too. Okay, so in America, I personally have an issue when politics and art sort of get overly mixed up. Like, you know, like, so like the Republicans come into power and all the arts organizations are underfunded. Democrats come in, then they're funded. Like, I hate that sort of swing in America. This is funded by the state. Is there some any sort of political 
things that happen that sort of you know change the dynamic of how the museum is or would be run? I mean, in the system, I mean, there's a, uh, it's the same in Sweden. I'm Swedish. It's the same system in Sweden. The state has paid for the building. Mm-hmm. Like the state has got, it starts big. And they own all like the state-owned buildings. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're like, I don't know what the, to call it, like that landlords of, yeah. Yeah, so they're basically leasing the building yeah, out so to you Yeah, so after when we got the building, uh, we're leasing it. And we're paying, uh, I think the rent is like... 250 million per year, which is like 25 million dollars per year. And uh, so we actually like, you know, paying, yeah. So it's this like internal change of hands. You sure. Know? Yeah. Okay. And then we get, but then it's like we get more and more like demands from the state or like expectations, maybe it's like the better word from the state to like get in more and more like private funding and private money. So I think then this is like what you see in, in Denmark, like the museum of like the state, like their national museum, Status Museum for Kunst. It used to be like 100% state funded. But the last like, I don't know how many years it's changed. And now that it's, I think, 60% funded by like private money. And I think like we're seeing this same change uh, and expectations in Norway as well, and especially after the war and the pandemic. And this is not only happening in Norway, I think this is happening in all of, of Europe, because all like in France, like the big museums have used up all their like own, like, you know, capital yeah, to survive and, you know, not fire people and yeah. I think it's 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 a big change. Okay, so politics and art don't get too intertwined here. It sounds like you think that's what you got from maybe I didn't. That's what I I'm, mean. You I'm, have you have like this arm length. It's not it's not like the situation in Poland. I mean, you have like this uh, arm arm length uh, distance from the politics to us, and that's like holy. So it's like they cannot like you know program, and 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 we don't have political i mean i'm not politically appointed well, or am it, i director sort of, yeah, yeah which is sort of the question because like i'm in the czech republic and the yeah. director of the national Muse- national gallery museum there i forget whether it's museum or national museum there he's appointed politically yeah and so that's where i was sort of like how involved is politics no, 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 actually that's, in, uh, this? No, in that way it's not at all okay. no 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 all right yeah when it comes to like your planning for the projects and then sort of once a project's out into the world how much is of like the public's feedback or the public's response to it uh, sort of dictates then sort of future things so like how much do you take that that input in and take it into consideration or is it you've already got things planned and you've already sort of come up with your ideas and and to a certain extent it's not as important it's really important okay all the feedback that we get mm-hmm from the audience regarding our project is really we take it back to the project we analyze and then use it to get even better the next time so it's really important we have to evaluate all the time we are doing this for the audience so we need to get better oh yeah stupid question do you have to pay to enter yeah yeah okay i didn't know some museums are free I yeah grew, i grew up with smithsonian everything was free yeah yeah I think also when it comes to, of course, it's always interesting, like, 
to learn from like the public, the critics, the voices, uh, the good, the bad and the ugly, like, you know, in different portions. But of course, in all this, we have to work with the high head and yeah, like, you know, yeah, we still have to work with integrity because I know there's also like this worry that that is going to go like tip over the other way. So you get like this opportunist, uh, you know, it's like, it's like, I think like in the art world, the scare is like to be like Tivoli or like entertainment, you know. Well, also art to by committee kind of thing, like an <laughs> exhibition by committee kind of is often not very good in my snobby opinion. Yeah, so that's like, but of course, and, and, and also like uh, what we do now is, I think new, it's like working with target groups, uh, actually like really trying to pinpoint how can we get more and a different crowd into the museum? You know, how can we learn them about the museum and that, that it also like could be concerned someone that's 19 or 22, you know. So and, all, the, yeah. all the different projects gets uh, different target groups. Mm. And then you work with that target group through the whole project. Mm -hmm. So that's really, really fun as well. Yeah. In the fall. I'm going to have a workshop with this British artist and also uh, this architect who's been working with like accessibility, like from the start with projects, how we can learn, how we can like, um, not yet only at, like design add-ons, but actually to have this in mind from the start and this the artist's name, like it's going to have this workshops, I think it's, if I remember correctly, it's Zoe Smith. I had a meeting with her and I was really fascinated that she'd been working with like blind photographers. So I had to go good blind photographers. <laughs> and I was like, wow, it's so cool, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, and how you do, uh, yeah. How, how you, and also uh, we're gonna have in this upcoming workshops uh, with like the staff, it's also how to learn how to write from the, how to make audio guides and to work with visually impaired people because they have a different way of like describing and a different, you know, so this is, and how we can learn from that. And yeah, because audio is like this, you know, it's, yeah. And we're working with the uh, images. So I think that's, I'm looking forward to that. With your audio guide, is it a male voice or a female voice? Both. Both? Yeah. Differs from, yeah. So you actually like hired voice actors to basically sort of do sort of different time periods or different genres kind of things. The mix is like curators and some of the target groups, but this is also something you can play with. It would, it would be nice to have like kid talking, you know, explaining from a kid's mm. point of view or something. Absolutely. Yeah, and have different levels at the same time, like parallel. But yeah, and no, so and many I, yeah. opportunities. I think regarding the yeah multimedia uh, audio guide. What do yeah. you call it now? Multimedia guide app. App. Yeah, I know. My when I was in high school, I actually worked at the audio guide place oh, where you yeah. like like had the like we had to rewind the cassette kind of thing. Yeah, that was a job. Yeah, it was a job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At the Aaron Space Aaron Space Museum is where I did that. Oh no! Yeah. yeah, it was interesting. No, yeah. Yeah, I find that tourists like lose all sense of um, common sense when mm -hmm. they when they leave their like home country. They just ask the dumbest questions and do the stupidest things without thinking. But that's just from my personal experiences. 
I do not expect either of you to make any comment about that. <laughs> okay, so, you won't. Yeah. Um, okay. So, what, what's something that you learned through this process? So, like, what's what's some great takeaway of a thing that you sort of like had not experienced yet in your careers that the the experience of putting together this once in a lifetime museum gave you? I think it's. Uh, I think. One thing that we had never done before, there was actually a lot of resistance. It was like to get external readers on the world texts and try to make them like less academic and more open. And that's been like... Uh, I'm a big advocate of that. I cannot stand pompous intellectual text on a wall or in most situations, I really can't stand that text. I mean, it's tough because like most museums are institutions of academia and intellectual investigation. Mm -hmm. And so therefore they put up text on walls that is oftentimes over most people's heads, you know, the average uh, museum goer. Okay. And quite honestly, it's oftentimes over my head and I'm in the profession. Okay. So like mm. trying to find that right balance, because I've also been to museums where literally it was written for like a fifth grader. Like it mm. was really too dumbed down. Yeah. And so trying to find that it's right hard, balance yeah. of mm. like intellectual and sort of mature enough, but not too intellectual and or academic to the point that it turns people away. Yeah, but I think also this this has been, I mean, before I got this, uh, I had the job as the director of the collections. Uh, I was a curator. I was part of this, uh, like, because one of the first step of like the merging of the museums, I mean, first it was a merge like the idea, and then we moved into the same building in 2005, like this office building. And then when we started to plan like this museum, first we all, were like, you know, I used to work at the Contemporary Art Museum, so I know all those people very well, but I, I didn't know the people at a National Gallery or a museum of like applied art or the Architecture Museum. Uh, so we had to first of all, like, get to know each other. And merge all these different yeah. cultures yeah. in some way. And, uh, like, yeah, we had different cultures and traditions. So, like, we do and different this. things in how, yeah. how text has been written, who is writing the texts. Mm. Now we're talking a lot about texts, but it goes for other things as well. So, labels. you know, all the labels. Yeah. Oh, my God. What font do you use for your labels? Oh, do we need to talk about fonts? I need some days now to sort of process my... Yeah. <laughs> do you not like talking about fonts? I'm surprised. She does I, it all the time. I was going to say, yeah. that seems like something that's like in your job position that, that talking about fonts would be very we important. We have our own font, of course. Yes. That's the answer. So did yeah. you use your own font yeah, on course. all wall yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But you get sort of damaged when you do this yeah. because when you go to other exhibitions and, you know, you just want to take in all the impressions, but you go into what height, what font, yeah, what, yeah. the labels that they use, the colors on the walls. Yeah, you're like really yeah, work really, damage. Yeah. Does it ruin it for you? Like the the, the experience. No, you get into all of these details. I know. What, and what, the devil is in the details. You know, really, you really. Amen, uh, sister. Yeah, I'm all about yeah. the devil and the details. Yeah. But the, well, I mean, I guess the. Okay, wait. So the question is this: 
working in a museum, knowing how much time and effort and knowing the devils and the details, doing all this, does that enhance or ruin going to other museums for you? I love going to other museums. Okay. I learn things all the time. But are you sitting there going like, oh, they put their labels at 55 centimeters yeah. high? Yeah, of course. Do, yeah. Don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We discussed this. Yeah. When we go together to, to see exhibitions. This is you should see my camera. Yeah. It's all about like images of like sockets and cables. And this yeah. was a good idea. And who's the, yeah. <laughs> who's the lighting designer and who's the exhibition yeah. designer? Look at this frame. Mm. You can't believe it. Yeah. 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 So it's all about uh, yeah details of framing and mounting um things you like materials walls but it's like this is what uh makes me tick at least and then it's like i still you know love going to museums or like sh art shows in general but it's uh yeah you get like uh how to mount have they done it uh yeah what the what's the reference i think my like biggest damage is always like seeing references Mm. Oh, yeah, I saw this in 68. Oh, yeah, this looked at this exhibition in Spain. You know, then, you know, so it's always like, yeah, that's my default. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And what did you sort of come away with from, from the experience of doing all this? I think, like I said earlier, we opened four days ago. I, it's, it's, yeah, I know, I, but, but it's done. Yeah. That's the thing. So, yeah. like, what did you come away with? But I really love this project. It's been really hard. From uh, mm -hmm. it's been really hard uh, sometimes. Yeah. But and the, you know the the delays in the building and the corona and but now it's really. I have this feeling that we managed this and it's and the result is really good and we're so uh, excited to get the audience in. It's more like. So I, I need to process this a little bit okay. and have a long break, holiday. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, there's this, uh, I, this Sunday I had this feeling of like this post-exhibition yeah. blues. I know, that's a real thing. People, yeah, it is a real thing. Pe people joke that it, about it, but no, like, but no, no, it's, it's really a big thing. Yeah, like, it is. Even as an artist myself, like, you know, you you do, you do you put so much time and, and, yeah. and then the opening event and you're like, ta-da! Yeah. And then the next day you're like, oh. I felt so empty and lonely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I wanted like to enjoy it, you know, but it was like... Uh, it's really strange. Yeah, it's really strange. It's, it, but it's just building up all the expectations and yeah. everything was last week was really great but yeah fantastic and now it's and it's really interesting because like no matter what people say so like literally every single person could come up to you and every single piece of press could be like magnificent magnificent yeah. loved it great and you'll still just be like uh the next day <laughs> like you, it doesn't yeah. even, you know so it doesn't matter whether you get like positive feedback or negative feedback or no feedback that 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 the amount of energy put into the doing it and then once it's done and now you now all those tasks are done and now and now to a certain, a certain extent you have now have to transition mm. into a, a almost like a position of maintaining mm. Mm. yeah you know so before it was create and now you have to maintain yeah. and that's a very different role that you all are now sort of falling into absolutely but i think the most and to go into the normal yeah and we haven't been in normal situation for many years. Mm -hmm. So that's really, we have always been 
pushing, pushing, pushing. Yeah. And, and also, the, yeah. The deadlines and to make things happen and solve all the, pro uh, the problems if it's something that we needed to solve. So you get sort of addicted to that as well. Mm. It's really... And yeah, now we, like you said, we need to... Now we're sort of maintaining the ordinary... The yeah. Well, don't ca start causing drama just for the sake of causing drama, though. Like, <laughs> no, I was just, trying not to. Yeah, just just now now run a museum. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and learn the building and listen to the like audience. and Yeah, and you've been together and now uh, some people are like... Yeah, leaving us. Leaving well. us. Huh? Uh, you know, like technicians or... The, yeah. the people building yeah. the place. Yeah. Okay, so. Now it's over, so there's also this... So there's a bit of a transition in the yeah, people that very are working. Much, yeah, there. absolutely. And a big change. And then, yeah, and you have been, like, Ingrid says, like, you've been on the last, I don't know how many months, like, on this adrenaline. And I'm working and working and working and working and working. Yeah, so easy to prioritize because I, like, has such a, like, easy goal. Yeah, I open a museum, get it finished. No, I can't do this. And all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, I have to get into the normal. And, yeah, and I don't think we're going to be, like, in a normal situation. For a while. No, but this is sort of a, a once in a lifetime situation. Yeah. You, we will never do this again. No, no. Never, not anything. Knock on wood. Yeah. Yeah. But but it's really special to have been part of this process. But I think she, she, she could be hired for, for, by someone and do it again. I was going like, to say, yeah. or not knock on yeah. wood. Maybe you did such a great job yeah. here that you'd be hired by some other country to yeah. do their national museum. Well, we would really like to share our experience, mm. you know, to tell about how the process has been and to, to sh yeah. Yeah, no, that, we, that, yeah. That's yeah. what we're doing here. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. are we already doing that? And also people are contacting us. And I think like yeah. Ingrid has been so like, and some people like her that's been like so much into the details and everything. Which and, like, she has not said a, a single detail in this whole conversation. You have yeah, completely you should see the avoided every I mean, question about details. But yes. But we have really, really good planners and the whole, you know, the whole, how this project has been put together with the, almost the whole museum taking part at one point or another. Mm. It's, it's been really, yeah, it's special. Well, and one thing that you, the words you keep using is like learning the building. Mm. What, what is the, give me a little explanation of like learning the building. Well, this is a totally new building. We've never been there before. It's like, and then you have to make an exhibition. Like we have planned it on paper, but then the building wasn't built. You know, the rooms, we didn't know the rooms. We didn't know how it lighting was. It, it wasn't function. built as planned. So, well, it was built as planned, but Great. we didn't know the, we hadn't been in the rooms. So we didn't know the rooms. Like yeah, you have to see they have to see the works in the space, and also when we like everything was perfectly planned, looked great uh, on the computer. But then you see like yeah, also had to do some adjustments in the display cases, or maybe oh, you know, and all the there's shadows, and, yeah. yeah, and all shadows, the technical yeah. um, uh, issues with the building, the, the, the you know, the lighting, the electricity, electricity, mm. the doors. There's been Many things to yeah, the doors. to to get to know and to understand, and also to see how how people walk, where they stop. We've been <laughs> discussing about the monk room. Is it going to be a queue? Is it going to be overfilled? What about the other rooms? 
what if the queue comes here? Then you want maybe show a bigger painting, but if there's a queue, you have a small painting, you're not going to see it. And it's like, you know, and it's the same discussions as, as the Munch Museum has had about the scream, you know. Uh, or the Louvre yeah. about the Mona Lisa. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's like, yeah, public demand and queues and, yeah. And the distances. Yeah. Of this building both for the people that work in mounting the exhibitions, but also for the audience. It's like you have to all the time consider that into all the things that you're planning for. Mm. Well, I mean, okay, here, I'm going to even give you like my little bit of feedback on that. I walked around here for nearly three hours and unlike many museums I've gone to, I, I wasn't, my legs weren't tired. Um, there are a number of museums that I can I could name, yeah. which I'm not going to name, but I could name that like by the end of the, like going through the museum, my legs are just tired because yeah. you know whatever uh, concrete floors or what you know whatever sort of surfaces they have exhibition fatigue. Basically, yeah. but like, but it's more about like the actual materials, yeah. you know, kind of thing of like what they you know generally my. Uh, like my legs would get tired if it's walking on a concrete floor, yeah. like mm, uh, which I believe almost everybody would agree with. Yeah. yeah. But I did not feel tired after walking through this. Right. I don't know what flooring you used, but it was you know it 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 held up and in a way that like didn't make me feel that fatigue. Mm. So like it's the those kinds of little uh, important details that I think make people that that people don't even notice no. that, that 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 somebody here like possibly one of the people in this room the two of you or some of the people that worked for you thought about to no end because like you a lot of it is wood floor but mm. underneath that wood I'm sure there's some additional padding of some sort that gives an additional little bounce to it but mm. that won't break the wood like so many things so many layers of nuances mm. that the public never sees yeah true and also like the wood is like full planks yeah long planks long planks and it's uh it and, was... and in a particular direction in mm. order to d direct yeah. the, the the viewer and and direct the path of the sort of where you walk because if you had done it the opposite direction it would have broken up the flow of everything i mean like my mother's an interior decorator also so like yeah, <laughs> yeah but, I, but i but i think also what's like one of my biggest surprises of this building is the acoustics because also now uh, before i was like walking in the collection the uh like display area uh with no art in it with no uh, with like no people in it mm. i didn't really think about like the acoustics because everything is like quiet and you're like building but now when, with people in it like when you first let like family and friends mm. in and this i mean the acoustics is it can be crowded but it's still like quiet mm. and so i think also this helps like keeping away the fatigue in a sense because noise can be really like you know tiring so i think like uh on this invisible stuff yeah it's like important. the acoustics is yeah. really uh, it's really working well yeah and that's also about proportions and you know, yeah indeed any last things you want to say about your experiences of building the first national museum in oslo when you say it like that, it's quite historical, isn't Thank it? Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, did, I tried to give it some gravitas. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Well, you did that. No, I think it's really an historical event. And we have been part of this. It's really, I think that's really special. I think 
for my, I need some time to sort of process. Yeah. All I'm of so this. sorry. I'm leaving tomorrow. Yeah, so like, yeah. I, you we did, have to come back. This is as literally you are my last recording before I leave Norway. We can make so. episode number two. We could. In like we six could, months. We could do a follow up after you both have a vacation. <laughs> And then, then we'll, we'll see how is the call mm. going. A little time, space, perspective. Yeah. 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 I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm really, yeah, I'm like English. Uh, we've been so into it for so long. I think it's, I felt it's humongous, like privilege to be part of it. Yeah. It's been super difficult. I haven't seen many of my friends lately. And my kids are like, you know, who's that woman? <laughs> no, but it's like, you know, um, but it's, I'm really proud that we made it. I think it's really a, an accomplishment. And, you know, and now it's just have to sit back and, you know, learn from everything. And yeah, now it's really big. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Before you go, we would like to thank you for listening all the way to the end of the episode. We would also appreciate it if you would share this podcast with your friends, family, co-workers, or studio mates, anyone with an interest in the arts and creative industries. The building and strengthening of the arts and creative community, both today and in the future, is at the core of our mission for this podcast. They can listen and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are produced by 5014, and the music was created by Pete Bybee. The Wise Fool Art Podcast is supported in part by an EEA grant from Iceland, Liechtenstein, and Norway in an effort to work together for a green, competitive, and inclusive Europe. We would also like to thank our partners Hunt Kastner in Prague, Czech Republic, and Kunst Centrene i Norge in Norway. Links to EEA grants and our partner organizations are available in the show notes or on our website, wisefoolpod.com.